0: I expect that most of us have never heard of Frank Selak. But he has the incredible privilege of being known as the world's luckiest man. And when I say he's the world's luckiest man, what I mean is this. Frank was in an automobile accident where others in the car died. He lived. He was in a bus accident where many died. He lived. He was in a train accident where 19 died. He lived. And he was in an airplane accident where actually the plane broke apart. He fell out of the airplane and, believe it or not, landed on a haystack. He lived. Three more times, Frayne had the uh, experience of nearly dying in another kind of accident. Seven times. In his life, somehow he escaped death. He's a lucky person, some would say. What do you say, what's that got to do with the book of Ruth that we're supposed to be studying? And I suppose it has something to do like this. There are people who believe that the story is a story about Ruth's good luck. But is the story really a good luck story or is it a love story? And I think we noted last week that Ruth is a love story. It's a story about a man by the name of Fast and a woman by the name of Friendly come together. How would you guess that, right? It's an old-fashioned love story. But it's a love story at much deeper levels than that. It's a love story about, for example, how Boaz loves God and it's a love story in, in that it shows us how God loves Ruth now last week you'll remember we were looking at Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law she's the subject of the first chapter of the book she begins out as a, as a pleasant woman married to a man by the name of Elimelech God is my king they have a good home, they have two children, but there's famine where they live. They live in a little town called Bethlehem. The name means house of food. And as we noted, there was no food. In the house of food, there was famine in the land. And Elimelech and Naomi began to ask themselves, what can we do in the face of this famine? How should we live? We've got family. We've got responsibilities. And as they thought their way through the problem, they decided to leave Israel, the land of promise, and go to Moab where there was food. But Moab is a land of immorality. It is a land of idolatry. It is a land of enemies. It is a land of people whom God doesn't want his people, Israel, to be involved with. Nonetheless, they go. And this is a first step in a sliding downhill for Nehemiah. Her spiritual life is going to move in a downhill direction from the point that she decides it's time to leave Israel and to go to Moab. While she's in Moab, her two sons grow up, and it's time for them to get wives. And in spite of the fact that the scripture shows that Israelites should marry Israelites, they marry their sons to Moabite women. And Moabite women are not known in the scriptures as being particularly moral women. It's just another step downhill. And then we're told in the text that Elimelech dies, and then Mahlon dies, and then Chilion dies. All of the men in Naomi's family die, and her two sons die without children. Interestingly enough, as the text continues, Naomi doesn't even think of something else or disregards it the Leverett Law of Marriage, which says that those women should be married by relatives of Naomi and that those relatives should have children to be raised up in the name of the dead men, Malan and Chilion. None of that happens. But what does happen is this. Naomi not only begins to start sinning, as she begins to experience the consequences of her sin, because there are consequences to sin, she becomes focused on her suffering. She is focused on the fact that her life is miserable. Not just that it's miserable, but it's more miserable than anybody else's life. And she is so consumed with this idea of self-pity, so consumed with her pain, so consumed with her loss, she can't see anything else that's happening around her. Even though God sends her this incredible daughter-in-law by the name of Ruth, who's never going to leave her, who's not going to walk away from her, who's going to go back to Bethlehem with her, even though this Ruth is with her. She doesn't see God's blessing in that at all. But listen to Ruth's words. Do not urge me to leave or to go back. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. This is the key phrase here. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And where you are buried, I will be buried. So help me. What an incredible blessing to have somebody like that in your life, somebody who cares that much about you, but Naomi doesn't even hear that. So frustrated, so angry, so out of focus spiritually, that as we come to the end of the story in chapter one, Naomi is blaming God for every bad thing in her life. Some of us, of course, have been there ourselves. Some of us have looked at our lives and then looked at God and said i don 't understand this i don 't understand why you allowed this to happen to me i don 't understand why i'm I'm getting all of this difficulty, and everybody else gets a decent break in life That's way. but our attention today turns. Ruth in chapter 2. That commitment to God has changed everything for her. She has a new God. Jehovah God. The God who loves is her God. The God who saves is her God. The God who redeems is her God. She has a, a new God. And she has a new country your people will be my people, and she has a, a new place of dwelling where you stay. I will stay, and she has a new city. She's in Bethlehem, the house of food. And more than that, she has a new start in life. As so we come to chapter 2 today, we are given two contextual Clues. Let me read them for you. Chapter 1 and verse 21. So, Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter in law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. It's harvest time. The second thing we're told is in chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. These two things are very important to our understanding of the text. It is the season of barley harvest. Remember now, Ruth is a Moabitess. We're going to find four times in chapter two that Ruth is referred to as either a foreigner or as a Moabite. In other words, she doesn't really belong. She's a bit of an outcast in her society, and her mother-in-law isn't helping her any. But God has made provisions for his people. And in fact, what's being spoken of are two of the provisions that God has made. For example, if you go over to uh, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 9, God has told Israelite farmers, how to harvest their crops. What they're not to do is they are not to harvest the corners of the field. And they're not to go over the field a second time. You see, they are to leave scraps in the field so that the poor and the needy and the broken can come into those fields and harvest some grain for themselves. That's how Ruth will get into the field that she's going to go to today. This is God's promise to the broken. The second promise that God makes for broken people is something in our society that might not make so much sense. It's found in Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 10. And here's the situation. If a man dies childless, his brother his brother, is to marry that woman and to raise up children in the name of his brother so that his brother's name will never perish from Israel. Now, in this situation, Malan and Kilion both die. But the law is still the same. Somebody, somebody has to come to the rescue of these women. In this case, Ruth. And they're going to come to Ruth's rescue because of this provision by God's law. That's why I'm saying it's important when you read the book of Ruth to understand that Boaz is a relative. That's what we're told. Boaz is a relative. And you get the idea as soon as you see that, that maybe he has an obligation to look after this woman. Now, as you look at the text... It seems like, for example, that Ruth is one lucky girl. Let me read the text for you. I'm going to start chapter 2 and verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone. Okay. Behind anyone. No mention of Boaz there. No mention of any other relative there. I just want to reap some grain somewhere, somebody's field, who will let me do that. So Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz comes into the field. And by the way, let's keep these things in mind. Ruth has absolutely no idea where she's going when she goes to the field. Jewish scholars tell us that actually she left a little trail trail markers so that she could find her way home after she went to the threshing field because she's new to the area. She has no idea where she's going. She didn't get up in the morning and say, I think I'll go to Boaz's field. I heard someplace that he's a relative. That doesn't happen. But what does happen is this. Can I go to anyone's field? Mm -hmm. Because of Leviticus 19. And... Just as she gets into Boaz's field, or as it turns out, I like that phrase, don't you? As it turned out, guess what? She just ends up in Boaz's field. And as it turns out, by the way, it's a safe field. Two times in chapter 2, we are told that it will be good for her to be in Boaz's field because the field are safe. Why would she care about whether the fields are safe? I mean, what's, what's this imply? It implies that the men in those days, remember, this is the time of the judges. When people did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord, that maybe women weren't so safe in those fields. And Ruth being a person with no legitimate status whatsoever in that society would be the least safe woman at all. She just happens. She just happens to end up in Boaz's field. She just happens to end up in a safe field. She just happens to show up as Boaz is coming to the field. She is one lucky girl. At least it looks that way. But in reality, she's not lucky at all. What she is, is she's the recipient of God's promise in her life. When she said, my, your God will be my God, when she said Jehovah God is my God, she comes into Jehovah God's promises, and Jehovah God begins pouring out his love on her, and she begins receiving the blessings that God wants her to have in her life. It all looks like an accident, but of course, it's no accident at all. You say, well, where's God in this thing? It doesn't mention God anywhere. It doesn't need to because it's a literary mechanism. It's one of those things called the hiddenness of God in theology. Very powerful in the book of Esther. Very powerful here in the book of Ruth as well. You keep asking the question, where is God? Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? And the answer to that question finally is, God is everywhere. Do you think it's coincidence that she gets to Boaz's field? Do you think that it is coincidence that Boaz just comes into that field? Do you think it's coincidence that it happens to be a safe field? Of course not. It's way more than that. This is God at work taking this woman who has now declared that she is his child, that he is her God. And he's keeping promise to her. Now our attention turns to Boaz. And we're told several things about Boaz in the text. We know, you know from the beginning of the chapter that Ruth and Boaz are going to meet. There is this collision course that's at work in the text. That's part of the tension of this love story. How will Boaz and Ruth get to meet? And they're going to get to meet right in that harvest field. What we've learned about Ruth is because she's a child of God, she now is under God's promises. She can reap in the field because of God's promises. She's going to be redeemed because of God's promises, but now we're looking at, at Boaz. He's a relative. No doubt about it. Uh, the interesting thing is you would have thought that Naomi would have said to Ruth, hey listen, when you're going out to look for field, be sure to go to Boaz's field. She didn't do that. She didn't even mention that Boaz is a relative. And Ruth has no idea that Boaz is a relative. And Boaz, well, he knows that he's a relative. He knows more than that. He knows that he's a close relative. He knows that he is in line to be a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, a rescuer, a savior. That's what he's in line for in this text. And yet, As he speaks with Ruth in this text, he never mentions, I am your close relative. The relative issue is not the thing that the writer of Ruth is interested in. The writer of Ruth is interested in is the character of Boaz. As you begin to see his character as he makes his entrance to the field, Remember, it says, as, as Bo, she, she finds Boaz is in the field, and Boaz now, as he comes into the field, says this. He says to his harvesters, The Lord be with you. Now that's interesting. And why do we find, that inter- we find it interesting? Because the normal greeting is Shalom, peace. But you see, he's more than an ordinary guy. The Lord be with you. And they reply back, what? The Lord bless you. Wow. That's an incredible kind of work relationship, isn't it? But there's more to the text than this. There is the whole matter of his generosity. Boaz is a generous man. We can see that as Ruth comes to the field he's going to allow Ruth of course to be in the field but he's going to do much much more than that he's going to allow her to drink at the water supply that the men bring then he invites her to lunch and obviously he gives her a big portion at lunch and then he tells the people who are looking over the fields here's what I want you to do I want you to be sure not to pick up all of the grain. Be sure, in fact, take some out of the sheaves and leave it in the way so that she'll be able to pick up some of this food. He looks after her in every way and says, I also, listen, stay with my workers. Stay with my workers. They will look after you. You're safe in this field. This is an extremely Generous man. There's something that's a little confusing in the text as you read it. Because in verse 5, Boaz asks the foreman of the harvesters, Whose young woman is that? And that man answers by saying, She's the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. So she went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. And now Boaz begins speaking to Ruth. And it is how he speaks to Ruth that we see something of his spirituality coming to forefront in the text. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls and so forth. And then she says this, verse 10. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground and she exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? And Boaz replied, see, he didn't know her to see her, but he knew all about her he had heard. Listen to what he says. I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How You left your father and your mother-in-law and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May God, the Lord God, repay you you, for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And in that statement, she comes under, as I've already mentioned, the covenant of God. And now. Boaz recognizes that and he says, may the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. As a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. She's under God's wing. And I want you to pay attention to that word, save it for the next session that we're going to have on Ruth. She is under God's wing. And now we move to the latter part of the chapter because it's in this part of the chapter we find out that Boaz is not only kind to his workers, he's not only kind to everybody, a generous man, he is a spiritual man, he is a near relative. A near relative. We're told that Ruth makes her way home. She's making her way home. She's had a really, really good day in the field. She's reaped a half bushel barley. It's incredible. And besides that, she has extra. And she, she comes home, and uh, her mother-in-law asks her, uh, where are we at today? And then she starts putting the goodies on the table, and she's like, whoa, 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 uh, where were you at today? In fact, she asks the question, you know, whose field were you in? Ruth told her mother-in-law about one the place she had been working. The name of the man is Boaz. Naomi understood something was afoot. She sees all of the barbie, barley. She sees all of the excess food from the lunch. And she understands that whoever took Ruth into his care was interested in Ruth. And now the question is who is this guy? Who is this person? And his name is Boaz. And, and Naomi says let me get this right did you say boaz yeah boaz and Naomi said he is one of our close relatives this man is in the line to be a kinsman redeemer he's a man of character he's incredible he's a kinsman and all of a sudden the despair if you will the frustration the sorrow the anger all of these things in Naomi begin to change you must know something else as well And that's this, because of Boaz, because of Boaz, a man who loves God, a man who reveres God, a man of character, a man of goodness, a man of godliness, because of Boaz, Ruth's life has been blessed. We'll talk more about that in just a second. But I want you to see something else. Because of Ruth, because of Ruth's new commitment to God, Naomi's life is going to be radically changed. And because of Boaz's commitment to God, Ruth's life is going to be changed Naomi's life is going to be changed. Everybody's life around him is changed. And that's what we need to focus on today. We need to focus on the fact that when God's people behave according to God's law, when they love God, people through them are loved by God. Boaz's commitment to God changes the life and the destiny of Ruth and Naomi, and for that matter, for the entirety of Israel. Now the question today is a simple question. It's a question for you, question for me. But if we take the word of God seriously, really, If we take the instruction of God, we don't walk away from God's instruction, we don't negate God's instruction, we don't, if you will, uh, minimize God's instruction, but we take God's instruction seriously for our lives. Things change. Things change for the better. And that's what Jesus showed us it's what he's called us to do to be change makers in the world in which he's placed us follow his word obey my word keep my word if you abide in me my word abides in you people will see God at work and they will be changed that's the lesson of Ruth chapter 2 One man committed to God changes everything in his sphere of influence. May God give you the grace and me the grace to do exactly the same thing.